And it's, it's funny that you say that because, you know, AB originally, we talked about this, well, obviously a while, quite a while ago. I remember saying to him, yo, listen, man, I'm all about this. I'm all about this underground shit because when I was growing up, me and my friends, obviously we listened to like, you know, mainstream rappers, but we also listened to a lot of like underground sort of, you know, loyal to the soil guys, like just a bunch of guys who were just, you would never hear of otherwise. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, a lot of them were like, you know, very gangster, very, yeah. you know, violent, whatever, but they influenced us, right? Because so they're, they're like, relatively, they're not going to make the, uh, they're not going to make it to your airwaves because of maybe the lifestyle they live, but yeah. the story yeah. they have to tell is so authentic, you know, you can resonate with it because it's not watered down. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, although like, the fire hose is true. Yeah, they, I, trust me, man. Because they, they don't. They, do people really want to hear what it's like to live the you know the life of 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 of, of an immigrant growing up in the like hood, you said, below a poverty line, right? Below, below the poverty line. Cause why? Wanna, Cause they, like, but they don't want to know it's like partly because they don't want to know it's like partly because they don't want to contend with their consumer actions creating this and keeping people down. Right. This is a system, as you know, that is based on taking some people want more and they take it from someone who has little. That's what this is. So now what they like to do is they like to focus on the effects, right? The after effects of the conditions. Oh, the violence, oh, the crime, oh, the this, oh, the that. But nobody wants to address the root. When I say nobody, I mean those cats. They don't want to address Majority the root causes of why this is. That's why they don't want the truth. It makes them uncomfortable. And also some mm -hmm. of them are just racist. That's the truth. Is you yeah. know this. Or you know this better than I do. You know? Of course. It's because it, oh, it, 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 it sort of allows them to like live in their own ignorance. Like, oh, it can't be like, you know, like that. And like, mm -hmm. maybe maybe it's just human, human nature. You don't really want to live with guilt either, right? Knowing that yeah. this is what's going on in your own city. And you have no yeah. idea. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. And I and I and also the truth is, if people don't go out to the neighborhoods you're in now, you know, which are similar, but of course they're more elevated than they were when I was there. But when I was growing mm -hmm. up, they would have no like. I was talking to somebody last night. I was at a concert in LA, and we're somebody brought up some story. So I told them some story of like when I was I don't know 13, and their mouth was like, and I said, oh yo, like that's not even. Like that's not even one percent of what it was like. Like not even they it blows their fucking mind, right? It blows their mind what some neighborhoods are like in Toronto because Toronto is here's a, here's something you can bet. Here's something you can bet. When a country or a city tells you it's so fucking dope and how great it is, bet that there's some shit happening there that everybody's covering up, right? 100%. Postcard life, postcard life doesn't show what's behind the fucking mountains, but what's behind the mountains is the real city, right? And um, and so it's kind of a weird thing. That's why, like, I'm a Canadian, granted, and I and I understand that, and I love supporting Canadian sports teams, and I love what Canada offered my mother and my grandmother when they came there, and they got an opportunity in Canada they wouldn't have gotten elsewhere. I understand that, but I'm more of a West Side Toronto guy than anything. Because when I travel across Canada, I don't recognize that country. Like that's not the country I grew up in. Where I grew up in a certain part, of, like where you guys are. Like that's not Canada. Ain't like where you're from, right? And Canada ain't like parts of Montreal. And Canada ain't like parts of uh, Winnipeg. And Canada ain't like parts of you know Surrey. It's that's not the Canada we get told. So I love Canada in theory, but only as a promise. 
And to me, a country has to be not something to brag about. It should be a promise you are trying to live up to. And I fucking hate when people go, oh, this country is, I'm like, fuck off. No country is that. If, if, help, let's make sure that everybody has what you think this country is. Then we'll talk about this country. But until then, it's a promise to live up to. And, uh, and I come from a family who benefited greatly coming to Canada, right? Growing up in a country with healthcare, fucking A. I'm in America now. Thanks, thanks to Tommy Douglas. Tommy Douglas, you're right. And I'll tell you right now in the US, the single dividing thing here is the amount of people who don't have real healthcare, right? It's like, you get sick here, you, you get cancer here, you go bankrupt. And it's, it's a thing, man. And I, it's not perfect in Canada, totally get that. But holy shit, is it better? It's better. <laughs> it's though. fucking better. Long wait lines? Yeah, but you don't go broke. Right? It's not perfect. There's lots of things in dental care and eye care and prescriptions. All that should be, I get all that. It's, it's got to grow. So to me, Canada is a country, is a promise you should be living up to. And then maybe they'll they'll like the stories being told by artists a little more. But right now, what mm -hmm. they're hearing is truths, and they don't want those truths. They don't want that yeah. experience reflect, related back to them. Because like you said, they want they don't want to live in their guilt. And that's the that's the sad truth, right? Of life. Yeah. But you know, I think that um, all in all, t Toronto and just Canada as a whole, I think, like you said, it's not supposed to be some you know miracle dreamland. It's supposed to be an expectation and sort of living up to that expectation yeah. and setting a bar and rising up to that bar, basically rising to the challenge, right? Yeah, and you and you know this, right? You you, it's like a great tune, a great track. You have to start with the beat right? Like you need to start with the beat. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a foundation for anything, it will never work. And in Canada, all of us, all of us have to do our part in creating whatever it is determined is truth and reconciliation for indigenous peoples. Our country is built on a, on genocide and crimes and lies. And when and, the, and it continues. And when people today go, you know, but, 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 I'm like, stop with the buts. Like, stop. If nothing, unless we address the the heartbeat of this country, our first, the original sin, it doesn't matter that we're, we didn't do it. You and I weren't part of it. We didn't come here from that. But we have all benefited from a piece of land that was taken in the worst circumstances, broken trees, all that stuff. And missing and murdered indigenous women, all these men and women, all these young kids and adults buried under churches and schoolyards, like- And under schools, yeah. I mean, a fucking crime of epic proportions. If if we collect, and I don't, and I honestly believe this, and I don't care if people are mad at me, but I honestly believe if we don't, if that doesn't become the priority, everything we build will be on a house of sand because some people will get better and some people will get a seat at the table and some things will open and some things will grow and that's fine. But you walk down the streets and realize what has happened, what, what, what the country and the churches did, government and churches together, government more, the queen, but the queen hasn't been a part of this for a long time. There have been many governments. So everybody's like the queen, the queen. Yeah, you're right. But she hasn't been involved in a long time. And it's still going. So that's governments, that's voters, that's churches. And if we don't deal with that, everything is, to me, everything is built on fucking bullshit. And 
So I, I'm, a, I'm just a huge believer in, in I, I really want Canada to be the thing that I thought it was when I was 13, you know? I thought it was a country that could be really cool for everybody. Then you realize, oh shit, no, I really can't. But I, but that doesn't mean that we can't try, right? And I'm not naive, man. It's just, everything's a fucking fight. So let's just go fight. No, it's like you said. It's a, it's it's not um anybody who thinks that this is going to be easy. I think you are severely severely mistaken. Yeah. yeah. True. I I think that to to know that. This country is obviously built on, you know, the backs and then and the struggle of millions of, you know, native people. It's 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 saddening when you think about it, but it's something that you need to hear. And a lot and I realize a lot of people, like you said earlier, they run from that sadness, yeah. they run from the complicity yeah. of it, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. And if you and I just refuse to believe it's impossible to fix. I refuse to believe nothing. I refuse you just gotta to be willing to put the work in. Yeah, I mean self determination. Like we don't tell them what we, the government shouldn't tell them what they should do. What do you want? Do it. Like give it to them. Get out of the way. Like self determination. Like this is this is it. Like the idea of borders are arbitrary anyway, right? Borders and country definitions. And you know, my my mother. The joke with my mother is, by the time she was twelve, she had lived in three countries and never had to move. Because the borders kept being redesigned, right? Wars and shit. Borders are fucking arbitrary. So this idea that we're holding on to this idea based on, like, fuck it. Blow it up. Let's do something different. Let's do something different because it's for the next generation, right? It's for the next, it's for the next group. The, what are they, what's that line in that, in that show? A society truly works when old men, and it could be true for any gender, but old men plant seeds for trees they know they'll never be around to sit under the shade of, that's when a society mm. really grows, when you're not doing it for you. And I don't mean holding on to more for you and your family, right? It's, I just really believe that that's the, that's the thing that Canada can be. I actually think we can be it. Um, I, I, I don't know how quite yet, but we're working on it, right? We're doing our parts. That, that's what I was saying earlier about how this next stage of my career and my business is, involves a lot of that stuff because I think I think you can do it. And it literally circles back to what you were saying earlier because you said, yo, listen, this ring that we're in, whether it's any sort of ring of life, because that's what life is, right? This ring doesn't belong to you and it's up to you as the OG to keep passing it forward right mm -hmm. and those old men they are the old g's because they're sort of passing it forward to you and you're passing it forward to us and we're going to pass it forward to the next person it's a continuous cycle yeah. paying it forward you got to do it and you have to constantly be checking yourself and and i know in the context of what we do with media is that it's we can't save the world individually that's not the goal the idea of like saving the world is an ego thing it's do your thing. We can do our thing. And in media, we played a really big role, the media, in fucking this up. Right? And we played a really big role. And even though you didn't do it and I didn't do it, you know, but did I do it? I don't know. Where, where was my bias back in the day? I don't know. You know, I, I, I certainly didn't do what they did in the 50s. Um, but we know better, we do better. So, how can we make the media be a thing? Well, pe like the people in, in the center who are, the, you know, they make fun of the people on the right because the people on the right make fun of the media all the time. And the people in the middle go, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I just think, you know, the media does suck, right? Like, let's get it. Let's get it straight here. To an extent, yeah. Yeah, 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 y
You know, it's a fucking problem. I'm not saying it shouldn't exist, but it's a problem. And, it needs to be restructured. Yeah. So what are we? Oh, gonna of do? course. Yeah. What are we going to do? You know. So or I'm else there's going to be real change. Yeah, I agree with you. You're doing it. You two are doing it with this, right? Mm-hmm. If you go hey, back, man, listen. If, you, if you go back 20 years, you two guys, who's giving you an opportunity to do a show? Nobody, right? Oh, nobody, nobody. Yeah, and you're making that opportunity now. That's why, you know, when I went to Much Music, one of the reasons I really liked it was because at City TV, which was started by Moses, basically, when he took it over, that was the first time I saw ethnic people on TV. That's the first time I saw brown guys on TV, guys with Greek last names on TV. That's the first time I saw my city that I, I didn't see it watching CBC or CTV. I saw it on trust, CBC. Trust me. You know, that's why I got respect for that, man. That's why much music to me was like the biggest thing we had. Like, you know, that I feel like it came at also, it also like much music came at a time where people didn't really understand how groundbreaking it could have been if it was yeah. a thing yeah. a few years, you know, later on. Yeah. Whereas now mm-hmm. like television just in general, like it's so watered down. Like you said, homogenized, right? Yeah, so yeah it's, it's, it's like, it's like outside of like three channels now, it's like, do you even really, I, I can't even watch Comedy Central anymore, you know? It's like, it, Dude, it's that like, bad. I, I watch shows that, I don't, but I don't care who puts them out. Right, yeah, like, like on streaming I'll, platforms. Yeah, streaming platforms, totally. And you know, and I'll watch, you know, like if NBC puts out a show on Paramount or whatever, I'll watch that show, you know. But I, I watch Apple TV shows, of course, and I watch all these shows. But the the idea of like watching a TV show, also, I think because I know how they're made, I know what's going on behind the scenes, you know. So I'm like, no, no, no this I'm not learning anything in this. I'm not. This is not making me better. I'll still watch some bullshit. I love to watch my bullshit shows for sure. But, but like what? What are you into watching right now? I somehow during the pandemic decided to watch TV shows that I would never watch because I don't like I said I don't like most mainstream things right not now anyway but I was like what are all these TV shows that last like nine seasons how the fuck do they last nine seasons fifteen seasons I'm gonna watch that shit and I watch it in the first season I'm like this is no good but then I'm drawn right in you know I'm fucking drawn right in so I watch I watch everything man I watch. Not anymore. Now that I, I did that for the first year and a half of the pandemic, then I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So now I'm watching. Other mm-hmm. But I was watching shows that I didn't like. That I didn't think were. I didn't think I would like. But I watched them. Like fuck, mm. man, Supernatural is a great show. Like I watched these shows that I would never watch. You know, I never watched Buffy. I never watched Buffy. Right. All my friends watched Buffy, which is weird because it feels like that's something that would be in your wheelhouse. Right. But it was. Yeah. I just wasn't that thing. And I put on Buffy during the pandemic. But yeah, this show's great, man. But I never because I watched the Buffy Wire. Solid, I watched the Wire. I watched oh, the Sopranos. Great show of all time. Of all time, the great show of all time, man. And, yeah. and and so I just was never into that shit. But then I started watching this fun stuff. You should watch like, Snowfall, oh. by the way. Oh, I watched the first two seasons of Snowfall. Yeah, I do. I like that. Yeah, snowfalls fire. Yeah, yeah, fire. I got a show. I'm trying to get made about Rex. I'm trying. I got a show. I'm trying to get made about Rex. Um, uh, about what it was like growing up in Rexdale and tied a little bit into today. And it's kind of a comedy, but it's got a little bit of not so comedy. And it's all listen. Yeah. You need some Somali actors yeah. where, where the guys. Oh, it'll be super you want to laugh? Yeah, I'm actually doing something. I, I'll say similar, but like a little bit on the opposite end of like just what it's like to be. I'm doing like a short film. Oh, I'm like sort of in between. Like I kind of have the story written down. I've been doing it for quite a while, but it's obviously it's like it's so much stuff going on. But like, it's it's similar to that. It's more like what it's like to be a first generation Somalian yeah. 
Can I, uh, Toronto. where are you at with that script? Can I read that script? Uh, um, I wrote the story, so I'm, yeah. I'm actually going to sit down with my, with one of my close friends who's a, who's a script writer. And once I get the script written down, I'll definitely send it your way. Trombo, yeah. if you're just going to sit here and tell me you're going to make a, 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 a Toronto version of The Wire, well, it's not, I'm the it's, guy, I'm it's, the, I want to act. It's not so, it's not The Wire in a way, but it's, it's, um, but no, it, it's sort of centered around the fact that what's hard to look at every neighborhood has this, right? Well, not every neighborhood, but every certain neighborhoods like the ones that we come from have this, where you on the same day are laughing and running, right? At the same day, this guy rolls up, you split, this cop rolls up, you scram, this girl comes up, you're cool, this girl comes up, you're out. This, you know, there's all this shit that happens in a given day. And you're, what's really interesting about, at least my experience, and I'm, I'm certain it's true for you now there, is that your daily existence, your fucking emotions and fear oh, all, over the fear place. all over the place. Obviously, I, was, I mean, I'm a grown-ass person now who has no reason to think about this shit, but I'll be, because in LA it's pretty shifty, and I was with a friend of mine, we were in, um, we were in a 7-Eleven around the corner from here, and, you know, we're, everything was fine, and then I saw some some stuff gathering out in the, in the parking lot, and I'm in line to get some shit, and I put my arm around her, I'm like, let's go. She's like, no, we're, we're, but we're next in line, I'm like, let's go. We're going. So yeah, 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 that's the thing, you know, like, yeah, we're, like we're, we're, you know, she's like, oh, she's like, what is it? Just let's go. So we, leave, so we leave, we get in the car, and then you know, find out two hours later, pop, pop, and it's like she's like, I said, listen, I don't get, it, I don't get it right all the time, but I, I know, I'm like, you know what? That's let's that's go. that's your Toronto sixth sense, danger that's sense. Sixth sense. I would look at her and I would. Say, I would say Toronto man's right. Let's go. We're leaving the Toronto yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> that sixth sense of like just just look knowing something's you don't even, about to go look at that. You don't even live in the hood anymore. You still have it. You don't even live in the hood anymore. You still have that. But the good news is all of LA is the hood now, in a way, because all of LA is pretty is pretty interesting, right? Because crime yeah, is everywhere, yeah. but it's crime is lower. We all know the real crime is Wall Street. We know the real crime is Wall Street. But, well, of course, but we know of that you know on a, on a, any given day, there's a lot of stuff that could happen. It's a compromised place. But yeah, you know, it's true. I don't even live there. And I still have that kind of like that thing that pops up. What is that feeling in Strombo, my veins? Uh, you know where? I, I, in a couple of years ago, I was in Muskoka. Yeah, I was in freaking Muskoka. Yeah, there's nobody who looks like me in Muskoka. No, no, you might have been the only one over, ever. I went over there, and I swear to you, I couldn't stop looking over my shoulder. I swear yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. It takes course. a real long time just to get comfortable. Even when you go on vacation, sometimes like the I, I, sound, I was in Dubai like during the pandemic. I was in I was in Dubai. On everything I love, I'm looking left to right, and I'm like, "This is like, you know, it's just, it's, no, it's everything's fine." Tell, tell my sixth sense that. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You I can't. wouldn't turn off. Yeah, I can't. I can't turn it off. I can't turn it off at all. I'm everywhere I am. I'm like, let's go. We're leaving. We're going. And I would always just very quietly, "Let's go," because I don't want anybody to know that I've. I've let's I've, make moves. Let's go. I've, yeah, we're we're out. We're out. Um, it, it happens all the fucking time to me now. But you know what? I'll tell you something. You only have to be right once to save your life. One hundred percent. That's it. That's it. I was uh, I was driving down the street in the summertime, and I'm like, why is everything? Oh fuck! There's a body there. Oh, there's a there's this there. You're like, oh, I was I, you know, I live in a neighborhood where there's a current. You know, if you're walking down the street with a watch, you know, you're going to get, it's problematic, right? You're getting jacked. Yeah. yeah. My friend got shot at six times. They missed every time for his watch. He was rolled. I didn't even, he had a rolly, but I don't even know which one he had. Six times the guy missed. And you're, you're just like, I saw him the next day. I'm like, yo, he's like, God. And he's like, God is great. 
And that's what he said, you know, and I'm like, I don't even believe in it, but whatever, man, I'm glad you're here. So everything is, you got to be on a swivel all the time. It's exhausting. It's, it's, it's how we've normalized violence in our lives. I was saying this to my friend last night after the show going, I need to find a way to break the cycle of how much I've normalized it. Cause most of my life isn't around it anymore, but it's still so ingrained in me and I've normalized it and I've normalized that kind of trauma. And I know that in the long term it's not healthy, but it's how I survived. And so it's hard to unwind that part of me. I can't unwind it's it. Cause it, it's so funny and unfortunate. It's like we had, it's, it's all our, the stats six cents are sort of like, we I've laugh seen, about it, like yeah, it's because 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 realistically, it's like your mind. It's your mind telling you like, I've seen the first three quarters of this film. I don't want to see the last part, you know. Like, <laughs> let me just slide out of here in any way I can. Totally, totally. And then someone's like, Oh no, the movie ends differently. Like, don't need to stick around to find out. Mm-hmm. Don't need, yeah, totally, totally, totally. totally. And I'll tell you this, man. Like, like I said, I'm long removed from that neighborhood and long removed from having to deal with that on the daily. And it's still mm-hmm. granted. I will say, I mean, like, you know, one of my best friends got murdered in my home in LA. So by a break in, so that happened five years ago here. So it, so it's still very close to me, right? It's still very, yeah. A guy broke in, killed him. I just went through the trial, took years to go through the trial. Um, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Thank you. Thank I'm you, sorry man. to hear that too. But it's, thank you. It's, but so my, my thing is that I, I, I'm never far from it. I'm never, ever far from it. And LA, part of the reason maybe why I liked LA was LA is so fucking real. And everybody's always like, oh, yo, LA is filled with fake. I'm like, you fake. LA is fucking real. Like, I walk around here and shit can pop in any neighborhood. Shit can pop off at any fucking time. And it's just like, let's go. Honestly, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, man. Let's go. Let's, go. let's get out of here. Yeah. And I can't shake it. I can't. And I'm glad I can't shake it because it's maybe partly what keeps me so fucking gnarly is that I still have that in me. Yeah. No, Stromba, listen, I'm telling you right now, you got. You you got us amped off this idea. Listen, if I have to audition, I'll audition. But I'm telling you right now, read, give me a role. Let me read this thing. Let me read. Yeah, listen. When when it's I done, got you, man. so I got Sorry. yeah, I got a thing. I got a show idea that no network's going to make right because they're not going to tell the story. And if they ever do a story like this, they're never going to do it this way. They're going to do it in an academic way. They're not going to do it in a real way. So look, Strombo, uh, they're 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 going to do it by withholding the truth. They'll do it. I think you're right about that. And they're not going to have as much fun. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create a, a thing where I have this idea for a show uh, centered in Rex and it's funny, but it's also family and sweet and hardcore and real and truthful, but I don't want to do it with a network. So I'm trying to get cats who have lots of money and I say to them, fund this let's make a real series and just make it for free put it on youtube and like there's no fucking re- i mean the return will be if the show's a hit then a network will give us real money and freedom a streamer right and it'll happen it'll happen it's real it'll totally. happen but i also think that no one shows the rex any love man and it's you know and it's not that's why i'm big up on claremont the second even he's from weston he went to the same high school that my mom went to weston collegiate and i'm, I'm big up on him as a rapper because he's from that side and i and i from, from the west side and i want and raz frescoes from brampton you know so i want the west side to be represented because uh, it's just not the same as toronto it's just not the same it's not. Yeah. It's the real Toronto. Yeah. That's what it is. It's the real Toronto. But speaking of, you know, music and stuff like that, you know, I, we were talking about it earlier before the camera rolled. People obviously know, like, how in tune you are with, like, rock and, like, heavy metal and, like, punk and things like that. People don't know, like, how educated you are in the rap scene. Like, they don't know how, like, in tune with it you are. Like, 
so like, I want to ask you, like, when you were obviously growing up, you were taking in all of this stuff. Yeah. Like, the '90s must have been for you, like, like eye opening when it comes to rap stuff. Like, it must have been it was like, the best. yo, this is the shit. It was the best because, yeah, because because what what was so when, when rap when I first got into rap in, when it, in, when I was young, it was uh, like everybody. It was Bambata, Grammys Flash. It was Run DMC, but really for me, it was Public Enemy. Nobody talks about Africa Bombada. Nobody talks yeah, yeah. about it. I did not now. No, definitely not now. I've, I got a photo on my phone. After what? Yeah, yeah. I got a photo on my phone of me at Bambada back in the day, right? Um, but yeah, so all those guys were, of course, because in my neighborhood, I grew up in a neighborhood that was very Jamaican in my, in my part of it. So we were always hearing stuff, good, great music, right? So reggae and dance hall was around. Um, we all like, of course, Desmond. So I like punk rock and Desmond Decker. Uh, and that 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 ska two tone music was from Jamaica, and so it influenced punk rock. I liked rap a lot when it came out, but I didn't love it until Public Enemy, Boogie Down Productions, and the Beastie Boys. So those three crews kind of set me on a path. And then when the early '90s, the golden era hit, you got Tribe, mm -hmm. you got Dela, right? You had. Um, Souls of Mischief were coming. Delta Funky Homo Sapien was coming. You had wordplay uh, with some thought, right? The Roots came later, of course. So it, the early 90s was for rock and hip hop. I mean, it really, like, I know I know, young cats fucking hate it because everybody's like, every generation has great shit. But honestly, that fucking era of rock and hip hop and, and electronic music, the shit coming out of the UK, it's the fucking best. And Acid House was coming, and House had started in, in the 80s, right? So Acid House was coming out of Manchester. So all these genres were popping when I was 18. You know, it was mm -hmm. fucking glorious. So, I mean, I remember being on stage with KRS-One. I remember walking backstage, walking through the alley off the bus, walking backstage onto the stage with Wu-Tang, and just being around these fucking legends. Right. Did you, you watch their miniseries, by the way? Not yet. Not yet. I want to watch it. I've been waiting for. Is it great? Yeah. Let me, hold on. Let me show you a jacket. I got to get a jacket for you. Hold on one sec. Let me go see. Let me see. It's my, it's my favorite drip. One second. Let me see. I can't wait to see the drip. Holy! <laughs> Yo, that's Raekwon. hard. It's my Raekwon Inshallah jacket. I love this jacket. <laughs> I wear. I wear this jacket, and people are just like. Whoa, what is that? It's the hottest jacket Fire. in the city. It's crazy. This guy's got Inshallah written on the front. You kill yeah, me. I love it. Damn, it's, uh, man. It's, uh, it's for Raekwon, man. <laughs> hey, that's hard, man. No, check out the miniseries. It's dope. It's I will, dope. for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I love him so much. I love Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang Wu and, and Public Enemy were kind of, I mean, it was just crazy. It was just crazy. You strike me as like an ice cube, you know, like, uh, you know, like notorious B.I.G. kind of guy. Yeah, I was big into uh, uh, N.W.A., big into N.W.A., big into uh, Ice Cube's first three solo records, like really into it. Um, uh, I love Biggie. I was now listen, Biggie is the greatest of his time for sure. But I will say this. I was a Pac guy because Tupac was on some other fucking spiritual, philosophical gangster shit that I was more into. Where Biggie was sort of telling me about what his life was like, um, Pac was telling us about what it could be like. And and, he, and and Pac was Pac was pointing fingers in a way that Biggie didn't, right? And now, of course, you listen to those Biggie records. Biggie is like, 
you put Biggie on, it's like listening to Led Zeppelin. You're like, everybody, every, even if someone's not into hip hop, like my mom has never heard They'll of They'll like it because yeah, of Biggie. My mom has probably never heard of Notorious B.I.G., but if I play Hypnotize, my mom will get it. She'll get it, right? Mm-hmm. Biggie's Biggie, mm-hmm. no doubt. But at that time, Ice Cube, Tupac, Chuck D, uh, I was, re- I mean, I'm, I'm really into the political shit, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big influence in my life. Now I, I almost exclusively listen to Death Grips. Death Grips are like, that's, mm. that's the hard. Death Grips, Immortal Technique, I really like. Um, because it's kind of on message. I like some of, some of the conspiracy shit I'm not in here for, but I love this. I love this. I love angry flow. Mm. I don't like laid back shit. I want like, mm. like that, you know? Like a you like a DMX kind of guy. Huh? I like DMX. Yeah, DMX. yeah, yeah. Rest in peace for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, listen. When DMX and Busta popped on the scene, no one had ever heard anything like that. Nobody. My, nobody. Two of my favorite rappers, you know, Dude, like those are two actually my favorite rappers. And if you look and Busta around, Rhymes, who who who? I love Busta. Who could? Who sounds like them now? Nobody can do that. Nobody. 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 Can, nobody. nobody can do that because Busta and DMX were so fucking great, and the energy of Busta was off the chain like nobody could do that but nobody did. now i like there's an artist at la called bus driver that i really like he's been around for a minute but i like his stuff um mm. i i like anderson pack a lot but i mm. but death grips are what i'm really like i listen to death grips a lot that that's just fucking insane shit like you brought up immortal technique i remember i'd heard one song from immortal technique when i was a teenager i think it was um that one where he started like telling a story about this kid who was like a gangbanger. I forget how it goes, but like it was like very dark. Like yeah. basically, like it ends, it ends with him doing like a very horrendous act to a woman, mm-hmm. and the woman turned out to be like his mother or something. Yeah. I don't know if you know which song I'm talking he was about. Just, but, like, yeah, he was trying to let everybody know the consequence of their actions, right? Oh, it's terrifying yeah. at a young age. Terrifying. Totally. I love I love that shit. But I'm at that age now where that's going to resonate with me. You know, I'm I'm at I've, I've mm-hmm. got to a point in my life where I. You know, when I was younger, I could I could rationalize what I was some of the shit I was listening to, the, but the yeah. older I got, I'm like I just can't fuck with those lyrics anymore. I can't fuck with those lyrics. Uh-huh. I just know that I can't. Um, and I would never tell young cats how they got to be, but I just know it doesn't. I mean, no, that's not true. Sometimes I will, but I, I a little bit, a little bit. But I won't. I won't. I just want to hear shit now that's ferocious. And this is what I'm. This is what I want out of all music, all genres. I want ferocious music. I want my punk and metal to be ferocious. I want my rap to be ferocious. I want my the EDM to be ferocious. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't. You know, if I want to listen to chill vibes, I put on fucking a Grateful Dead. I'll put on De La Soul if I want to chill. Right. I, I want for. I love De La Soul. Oh my god, man. Oh, uh, Maceo. Legend. Maceo came to my house. Maceo came to my house. No way. Maceo came to my house. Mixmaster Mike did a DJ sit in my house. Grandmaster Flash came to my house in Toronto. We come okay. to do interviews. Legend. But yeah, De La Soul were, De La and Tribe. Like if you, if you push back, like Tribe Called Quest were huge, huge. For, Deltron 3030, I loved. I loved Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Dan the Automator. Like I love those producers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still listen. To, I still listen to genre all the time. And you're big on uh, the Beastie Boys as well, right? Yeah, because I was like 12 when the Beastie Boys hit. It was, mm. I was prime for the Beastie Boys. You know, like it was like they were making records for me. I just did a whole special on the Beastie Boys because of the anniversary of Check Your I Head. Saw. And the thing with the Beastie Boys too was they, you know, they started off being pretty, pretty crass. And then they grew into some pretty powerful men who led the charge in fighting for, for human rights and for Tibetans. Like they turned into some pretty interesting men, great artists. 
And so, yeah, I'm you know, and, 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 and that's the thing. You'd be shocked, like, how people discover these things. Like, right now, I was telling you, like, um, when it came to, like, Beastie Boys, I only heard of them. The first time I'd ever, like, known about them, I seen them on Futurama. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Really? That's awesome. That's the first time I ever heard of them. And I remember they did, um, they were, like, obviously rapping or whatever. But, like, I was like, yo, these guys are kind of hard. Then, like, you yeah. know, and I remember not too long. I remember, I remember I watched them on TV right after, like, the thing went on commercial break. Because, obviously, for our listeners, commercial breaks used to be a thing. You know, it it would go on commercial break, and there was a commercial for like a car or whatever, and it had their song the brrr, stick them, ah, ah, yeah. ah, stick them, like, yeah. and I was like, this sounds like these same guys. Yeah. And I was, you know, I do the Google search or whatever, and I'm like, yo, these guys are so hard. Mm-hmm. I had to like, you know, do my research on them, but yo, those guys are legends. Listen, man, uh, hip hop's the one gen one genre that doesn't really care about the previous generation. And the statistics back that up. Like it's, whereas, you know, it's the one genre where it's the newest, the youngest right now. And they don't spend as much, as a whole, spend as much time looking at the previous generation. That's a fact, statistically speaking. And that's fine, because why not? It doesn't have to, right? There's no rules. You can do whatever you want, right? But when people disrespect the Beastie Boys, I give absolutely no credit to their opinions on music whatsoever. Like, I honestly, like, I, I will, if someone doesn't get the Beastie Boys, that's fine. But if they don't, if they can't hear it and, and know how that changed everything, I disrespect their opinion. Because the Beastie Boys had the most interesting beats. And this is what Chuck D from Public Enemy said. Chuck D said, hip-hop's dirtiest secret was that the Beastie Boys had the best beats. That's what Chuck D said. And, I heard a lot of this stuff there. Yeah. Pretty fly, a lot of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's crazy shit. And the, what they did as a sampling record early on, like, I love them. I, they're not the be-all, end-all. There's lots of great artists. I think I think Biggie became the thing, but Snoop, of course, is Snoop. I mean, and Dre. Dre's the greatest oh, yeah. hip-hop yeah. producer of all time. But Absolutely. But the Beastie Boys, man, I mean, it's a whole fucking thing. And they had, like, three different careers in their career. You know, that Paul Boutique mm-hmm. record, nobody could make that record today. I'm sorry, though. Eminem's washing them, though. I'm sorry. You, Eminem, you know, as a rapper, Eminem's washing them. He's Eminem, I think, as a rapper, as a rapper, I think he's better than them. As a rapper, that's what I'm saying. Oh, as a rapper, Eminem's better than anybody ever. Who can, like, who can, people, like, Eminem will eat every single person alive. And yeah, we live in a time where, and, and, and AB can attest this, we live in a time right now, people love to discredit Eminem. No, Eminem's not. Yeah, 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 you might not like okay. his style or what, like, or, or like the stories he's trying to tell. But as a rapper, come on, man. As a rapper, as a rapper, Eminem, him, Jada Kiss, guys, that, like nobody's touching those guys. Eminem, really Kiss, about them and either, right? a lot of guys. Yeah, Eminem will kill everybody. Like that's yeah. Even, yeah, that's what Fifty Cent says all the time. Fifty Cent says, "Take your favorite rapper, your favorite rapper, take him, put him in a room, and Eminem will eat him." Like as a <gasps> as a rapper, as a as an MC, as a straight MC. Nobody. The only guy that blew a bit was 50. Like 50, when 50 hit the scene, it was crazy. But 50 can't rap like Eminem. It's just 50, Uh uh you know, maybe, you know, Rakim. No, 50 50 hit the street harder, like you said. He just hit the street harder. When that, when he dropped down from that bar, that upside down thing, that first time, that first video, was that much music at the time? Doom, doom. Go, 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 go. Honestly, we were at much music and we just, someone, it hadn't even aired yet. The video hadn't even aired. Like what the the record company would come in with a cardboard box filled with these tapes, VTR tapes. So we put them on this little TV, right? This is like, no one had seen the video. He comes in, yo, yo, check this out. A couple of us gather around this little monitor, press play. Boom, 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 boom. 
You could feel the air leave the room. Everybody's like, oh, my God, this is the heaviest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, holy fuck. And then, you know, yeah. go, 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 shorty. It's your birthday. And then everybody went, well, this is the biggest, this is the biggest star in the world right now. Like, no one even yeah, knows it, it yet. Yeah, no one even, because it hadn't even played. But we all knew, fuck, this is going to be everything. But even he will tell you. Fucking mm -hmm. Eminem. Eminem will rinse yeah. anybody. Anybody. The only, the only, Chuck D said the only rapper who can change the temperature of the room when you give him a mic is KRS-One. Because KRS-One speaks truth. Oh, yeah. yeah, he speaks truths. But there isn't a single rapper alive today who can do what Eminem did. I don't stand by most, most of Eminem's lyrics. I don't give a shit about most of that shit. It doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. But Just saying as an MC, as a rapper. Mm -hmm. Not even fucking cool. Eminem... Battling Busta would have been the only thing that I would have been really like, wow. You know, well, Busta would have gotten with the wordplay, maybe. Yeah, but... yeah, but that's it. Yeah, yeah like, no, Eminem's the best. As a, as a straight up MC, he would kill that. But Beastie Boys, by the way, would never even, no one would even, like, they wouldn't put themselves in that category. You know, Beastie Boys mm -hmm. were a whole package, they were a, a culture. But no, Eminem mm -hmm. was a whole other thing, man. No, and then that's obviously, you know, just look at that. Like the fact that right now you walked us through so much. Like, do you know how many people don't know about KRS One? Like, so many people don't know about like an European rock him. People yeah. don't know about De La Soul. Like, EP that just proves like EPMD. Like, there's some shit going on, man. That people need to. I just think you. I think you're better when you know your history, and the genre's history is mm. epic. You know, the are, you, are you are you this knowledgeable with R and B too? Not as much. I, you know, I like old school R and B. I don't listen to mm -hmm. like that that Ashanti era of R and B that came out when I was at Much Music. That wasn't for me. You know, I like Jodeci. I love Jodeci. You know, love Jodeci. You know, I remember doing Voice to Men, New Edition. Yeah, I love all that shit. But but to me, here's the thing. My Pony is the greatest of of uh, of, of, of that kind of vibe, right? That that two thousands R and B. We're trying to Genuine. figure out what are the three great. Yeah, yeah. That that when you hear it now, you're like, oh my god. The other one is an R. Kelly tune, but we're not allowed to do that anymore. You know, we can't do R. Oh, yeah, Kelly, and I get it. You know, I get, it, I get it. I'm like, you know what? That's a great song, but fuck him. So yeah, I, I'm yeah. happy. To guys, yeah, guys, a punk. Guys, a punk. He's a punk, guys so a punk. put it away. I don't care. Um, and then we're trying to figure out, you know, where No Diggity sits. We're trying to figure out where Regulate sits. You know, because that's a rap tune, but it's kind of an R&B tune. And yeah, but so the modern Regular, it's a great song. Oh yeah, and the modern R&B, I don't really spend a lot. I, I'm not huge into heavy production, and I fucking hate mm. auto tune. If I hear auto tune, I'm out. R&B just like I know rap, it's good, but I hate it. And just like just like all other genres, I, I feel like I think maybe you might be able to agree, maybe you won't, but I feel like all rap, R&B, everything sort of like has a very heavy pop influence now. Like yeah, yeah, it, it's not never gonna really pop if it doesn't have like that it's more pop melodic, appeal. Though. Yeah, yeah it's I, like, I, and I think you hit on something, AB. I don't really love pop music. I like some of yeah, it, that's the thing. but in any genre, if it's rap or R and B or rock that I that most people associate with, or punk or whatever, if it's too punk pop, it's not my thing. I'm not saying it's bad. It just doesn't land for me. I like a little bit of a, a of, of a different edge. Like I love Mary J. Blige, right? I love Mary oh, J. Blige. Oh, she's incredible. She's incredible. Yeah, I love Mary J. Blige. I'm that's that's the hood man you talking though. I'm sorry. That's the hood man you talking. I, I got to interview me and Mary in a hotel in New York and in a hotel where she had gotten, I think she was dating somebody, another famous singer at the time or earlier. And she'd smacked him in that hotel. And we, <laughs> we returned to the scene of the smack 
and did an interview. Like, I'm not a huge Mariah fan, but of course Mariah's the best, right? Oh, amazing. I love, I love some of those songs. Mariah's amazing. So when I was at the time, I didn't, I wasn't a big Mariah guy, but now I listen to like fucking right Mariah. Whitney, I gotta, Whitney. I, say this, man. I think Brandy, Brandy, I think Brandy yes. is like the best. Brandy's right. amazing. That's my personal favorite. Yeah, Brandy's yeah. incredible, man. Lil' Kim was incredible. Like, there's mm-hmm. incredible fucking legends. Yeah, for sure. No, I like Alicia all that. Alicia Keys. Too. Yeah, Alicia Keys. I saw Alicia Keys play. Alicia I, Keys is uh, a legend. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I So I do like I do like it, but I don't seek it out because it's a little bit too middle of the road for me now. And, mm-hmm. but that's okay. It just isn't, but, but if I hear a good one, I know it's a good one, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. If I hear a good one, I know it's good. But, um, but in this era of my life, I'm listening to, I'm either listening to bands like Idols or Sleaford Mods, or I'm listening to Fred again, you know, like dance producers. I love, you know, there's a Richie Hot and a techno producer. So I like that kind of music too. Um, that's what people really don't know, how much I love dance music. I love mm. not poppy disco i'm not a disco guy but i love fucking techno i love techno and so there's a canadian artist called richie hutton who's one of the most important ever um out of windsor people don't even realize how much he changed the game um he lives in germany now but he's a legend that's the kind of shit that i love listening to that's dope man i just like all no, music. i like i like all music mostly because i think it's dope it's like my mother, when I was a kid, taught me this lesson. She said, your world is a mansion, so don't just use two rooms. Like, don't just, just don't sit in two rooms and be, and be like, and be indignant about my room. She's like, go see the fucking world. She didn't swear, but she's like, go see the world of your, of your ideas and your possibilities and the art that's out there, the music, like, try it all, you know? And I, and I, yeah, it backfired on her because she wanted me to go to heaven. That's not going to happen. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you got, I mean, this is the first, this is the first it, music is so homogenous. Now I went to Coachella this past weekend. Everybody's it's so homogenous. I'm like, come on, where's the fight? You know, but was I know it's it, out it was, there. It's just not at those festivals. I, I, like for, I got a question. So it's, uh, like, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but like, was it hard? Like, I guess stepping away from much music. Whenever you, whenever it is that you did, you know, it was a little bit weird because I, I felt like much music was going to be part of my life for the rest of my life. Like I really felt mm-hmm. like I was going to be, yeah. I mean, I just the place meant so much to me. Uh, luckily, when I went to CBC, I brought a couple of my key producers from Much Music over with me, so I, I, I felt like home. Um, but it was definitely an adjustment, you know. And the Much Music thing is maybe the thing I get remembered for the most, which is kind of funny if you think about it, because much music's ratings weren't big, but the impact was legit. And I think also because people realize now that we don't have it anymore and how much it was, how great it really was. So so I, I, I look back at much music fondly now. Look, there was definitely a time where it was ready for me to go. I was probably getting a little bit jaded and I didn't like the directions they were going. So I definitely left at the right time, but... I feel, I feel really, really, I feel really happy that I got to be a part of that story, you know, and, and that story, be, and I was a big part of that story. And me and Ricky talk about this, Rick, um, Ricky, uh, Rick the Temp, we talk about it a bunch that what a run it was, you know? So I miss it a little bit, but I don't miss doing that because I do it now on Apple Music. I still get to play music and talk about it. So I like that. 
But I do kind of miss Queen and John. You know, that fucking building on that corner where we would do the shows and people would come up. I miss that kind of energy. Definitely miss that. Because you can never replace it. And Much Music Video Awards weekend, the MMVAs, the whole building. Let me show you a picture. I got I got a picture of my phone here. This is like way back. This is 21 years ago. One sec. 21 years ago. It's a crazy photo. Um, uh, the Much Music Video Awards. I was hosting that red carpet show. This guy wasn't even big then, by the way. He was big. He was coming, but he wasn't big yet. Uh, oh, let me find it. It's well, first of all, here's me and, me and Lenny and Denzel at the MMVAs back in the day. You know? Oh, man. Holy. But, but this picture I want to show you, like, this is the energy of the much. And you can see it in his face. He's getting out the limo as I'm about to interview him. And, uh... Okay, there's one. It's not that. I'm close. I'm close. I'm close. So I have too many pictures on my phone. Um, but yeah, so the energy of that time at Much Music was so hot, so real, and everybody was kind of on the same page that I missed that a lot. I missed that kind of that kind of crew. It was here. It is. There's me, and this is 2002, I think. So 22 years ago, me and Ye on the red carpet. Oh man. Holy! Look, look at that look on his face when he's popping out the car, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, he came out the car and saw the crowd. He went, what is this? He had just we, that earlier that 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 day we were sound checking. There was nobody around, so him and a bunch of cats get on stage. They start to warm up. He comes off stage. He's standing right beside me, and we're sitting there. And he just says, "Check this song out that I wrote." Am I right? And so they start in the song and I was just, and it was the first time I'd heard him do Jesus walks. Right. And they were just sound. The first time you heard the, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Bo, and, they bo, were, bo. and there was this the heard gospel that? choir on the stage, all wearing like not in show gear, just wearing regular street clothes all on stage, starting that Jesus walks. And I look over at Kanye and he looks at me and he went, mm-hmm. Right. This is bo, it. This bo. is it. So I missed, I missed that, you know, like on any given day, it was just the fucking best, the fucking best, you know? No, man. man, and honestly, no, that's, that's, you know, you've lived quite a life, man. And I think that's, I'm so lucky. I listen, I don't take a second of it for granted, man. I'm so lucky. Nice. Because I, I did uh, what I hope for everybody is to be around the people that inspire you to learn from them and to try to be that for somebody else. Right. And I was just so lucky that my passion for music and, and writing and all and film was so high that I got to be in the company of Quentin Tarantino and Spike Lee and Patti Smith and um, Maya Angelou and Oprah and Stephen Colbert and being around yay and Chuck D at the time when I, you know, and being around Prince being around David Bowie. Like I got to fucking talk about life with David Bowie. I got to talk about basketball with Prince. I got to, you know, I, I, I got to be around these people who were so, Joe Strummer from The Clash, who's maybe the biggest influence on me. These people changed my life and I honor them. And I try, I never even make this career at all about me. It's about honoring the lessons I was given, crafting them for the times that I'm around, passing them on to a next crew and let them do the same. 
I really believe you got to use that language, right? It ain't about you. It's about us. And and you're going to benefit anyway. You're going to get the fucking benefits anyway, right? So you just don't have to make it about you. You're going to get the shit you want. But mm-hmm. I, I just feel so, I'm so, so lucky to, uh, to be able to just do that, to, to know that there were times in my life where I was, I would talk to me and KRS one were walking, walking the streets of Harlem and he was taking me through the history of Harlem. Like when I was 28 years old, what the fuck? The other day I was at a wedding and it was me, um, uh, big daddy Kane, grandmaster Melly Mel, legend, legend. Uh, it was, uh, it was crazy legs. It was Lord finesse. It was some pretty connected guys from uh, the Crips, and we were all talking about our top five. I wasn't even fucking talking. I just sat back and listened to the G's. Uh, so I would be like, "What do you think of Hove?" And then one guy would say his thing, another guy would say, "What do you think of LL?" And and everybody was going. And that, by the way, every all the legends had mad respect for Big Daddy Kane because Big Daddy Kane is underappreciated. Oh, legend. Yeah. So, so I'm so lucky to be in a room where I'm just sitting there at a fucking wedding. My, my man, Russell Peters got married, who I've known since I was a teenager. And, and shout out to him. One of the best to come out of Yeah, shout he's, he's, he's lit. So dude, I used to sneak Russell Peters into the movie theater that I worked at. Cause a girl I was dating when I was 18 knew him before he was a comedian. That's how I met Russell Peters. We've known each other for back since back in the day. Right. And so he got married and you know, Raekwon's at his wedding. Um, Cedric the Entertainer's at his wedding doing the thing. So we're all just sitting, Ray Parker Jr. who wrote the Ghostbusters theme, who toured with the Stones and Stevie Wonder when he was 17. All these people are at Ray, Ray Russell's wedding because everybody loves Russ. And I'm I'm listening to these guys talk about hip hop. And I'm just like, just keep your mouth shut and just listen. And I'm so, I and I don't take for granted a day that I've been able to be a, a part of some, those, those stories. You know, and hear them talk. Very, very grateful for it, and I try to honor it by putting the, the effort in. But yeah, every now and then I'll, I'll be with somebody, and they don't know my career, and then somebody will, like Raekwon will walk up and we'll have a talk, and they'll just look at me like, you know, Chef. I'm like, I know Chef, and I'm just very lucky, right? So it's kind of I forget it. I forget how. No, I never forget how lucky and privileged I am, but I forget that it's that somehow this is my, what my life has become. You know. You know, I'm still out there working every day. Never fucking, never lose the grind. Never lose the grind. Um, but I'm very grateful for the fact that I got to be around those legends who changed my life. And and that's, you know, sort of how I wanted to, uh, you know, rest this. You know, we're talking about, you know, paying homage and continually paying it forward and, you know, being influenced by great people. And because obviously you've been surrounded by great people and you've been inspired and influenced by great people. But, you know, I think... How I really want to close this off is sort of by paying homage to the one who did it for you first, which would be your mother. Because it sounds like to me, yeah. she started everything for you, which is yeah. a story for all of us who grow up here, yeah. you know, immigrants. And, you know, a lot of us grow up without fathers in the picture. Yeah. And yeah. My dad needs a lot to me to know. My dad left when I was seven and my sister was four. So we were in Rexdale, uh, living right behind the Rexdale Mall. Um, mm-hmm when he left and I have no, my mom was young. She was a teenager when she got pregnant with me, right? So when my, the, how she did it is, and maybe this is why I, I have this perspective on life where I put no value on my accomplishments and I put no value on my career. I put no value on any of it because 
I don't think I could have done what she did. This young woman by herself raised these two kids with no money. Like my mom, we'd get up my mom at five o'clock in the morning. I'd help her put the newspapers together because she would deliver a newspaper. That was her first job of three every day, right? And still have food, still come home. She still had to suffer the indignation of how men treated her in that era, right? My mom is this hot, young, blonde woman that, you know, big curly hair and the way men treated her and I would see it, they were fucking disgusting to her and she did, but she couldn't do anything because she needed the fucking job because she had two kids to feed. And I, I watched, I watched what my mother did and what she had to suffer through. And I thought, I will grow up, right? And war, I will war everybody like those guys. I will fucking war them all because they made the path so hard for her. And the system made the path so hard for her. And somehow, you know, my, my grandmother, my uncle, my aunt, my mom's family, like a small little family, but what a great family, you know? You know, it's like when you got, you got your family and they're everything to you. They, so our family together did it, but watching how my mother, and my mother always did it with love in her heart. And my mother never gave up. And if she ever felt like it was too much, I never saw it. I never saw it, right? Because there's a, there's a, there's a great line in a book I read once where, where, where somebody said, did you ever th you know, think about giving up? And said, I, 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 these aren't the times for those luxuries. You know, you don't get to give up. She's like, I got these two kids to feed. I got to get them. I got to keep them out of, you know, out of trouble. I got to keep them healthy. I got to give them a shot. It's fucking hard for her. And there is nothing in my life that I have that isn't in 100% testament to the work that she did. There is nothing I have in my life. I have a lot of love in my heart and a lot of joy in my heart. That's from her. Uh, my love of music is a little bit from her, mostly from my uncle, but that's her brother, you know? And my... So it still comes from her. Still comes from her. Still comes from her. And so, yeah, the, those... I mean, all single parents, because I know single dads have it fucking hard too, and they get no love. Everybody loves to love single moms, but single dads get no love. So single dads have it hard too. But single parents, and in my case, my, a single mom back in that day, you know, and she taught me, this is the craziest thing. She taught me to have no ill will towards my father. She actually said to me when I was seven, eight, nine years old, because she'd hear me say some shit about my dad, or she'd hear somebody else say some shit about my dad because he just split, right? And we were broke, no home. We had nowhere to live. Like, he just fucking split. And I was home when he split. And I would watch people say shit about my old man. And my mother would stop them. And she would look at me. And she would actually say this. You will not grow up with daddy issues. The world is the world. No one promised you a smooth ride. You don't get to operate because sometimes the people who love you don't. And sometimes the people who do love you, love you, but don't know what to do about it and leave. And none of that is your fault, nor is it your responsibility, but you don't get to carry that like a cross, right? My mom was gangster about, hey, fucking deal with it, right? She didn't say it so hardcore, but that's how I heard it. I heard it like the cavalry ain't coming. You know, you're on your own here. You got me. And she would say to me, you're special to me, but you're not special. 
You're the same as everybody else. And that's good. You're here for other, like she used to put all this shit in my head. So I grew up pretty well adjusted because my mom fucking somehow fucking figured out a way to keep my sister and I this way, you know, to keep us like focused on never internalizing the shit that happened to us. She's like, it doesn't matter. You got to just get through it. You got to get through it. You know, and she, and she had very little tools. She was fucking 24 when my dad left 25. Being a single mom at 25 with no fucking work, no place to live, none of that shit, that was hard. And yeah, and then, so every single thing about me is a testament to the work that that lady did, you know, everything. Of course, you know, like like you said, we appreciate not just obviously single mothers, but single parents in general yeah. who turn these modern miracles and show us how they're done. And they do it with such grace and eloquence that I, I just I, sit there in awe. Oh, no. Man, I laugh sometimes when I see my friends on Instagram tweet about their bad day and they're like, I just can't, you know, they're like, I just can't. I know that's not the mental health and health self-care. Very important. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the people who are like, I'm overwhelmed. And I go, oh, you probably are. And then I think, how the fuck did my mother do it? How the, I will never disrespect my mother's commitment by not working hard. I will never disrespect my mother's commitment to me by not fighting. I will fight. All, I'll fight till they put me in the ground and then I'll fight in the next life, right? Because I watched what my mother had to go through. I watched what my grandmother had to go through. Single mom, you know, in fucking Canada, didn't speak the language, you know, her husband passed away, my grandfather. And you're like, this is some hard living. There's some hard living for immigrants out here. Uh, and this is the 70s, right? It's very fucking crazy in the 70s too. And, and the neighborhoods were abandoned back then. They're worse now in terms of their abandonment. There were no community programs back then. And you're just like, man, I don't know how anybody got through it. I fucking, that, that, that crew of, of, of moms and dads and parents and guardians, you know, the grandmothers who had to raise the kids, the grandfathers who had to raise the kids. You know, my friends would, their dads would go to jail and then the fucking grandmother or grandfather would step up and you're like, all right, that whole family shit, man, that's what, that's what's inspired the Rex. The thing I want to do is this, is this, this era of, how community kind of raised your kid, but also scared the fuck out of your kid, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? No, and I'm the same way. Cause I was raised, you know, by my mother. My grandmother had a very big hand in raising me. My four older siblings mm -hmm. were all quite a bit older than me. Like they all had a big hand in raising me. So like when I hear you talking about mm -hmm. this, it relates to me on a, on a, on a level. I get it. Oh, you man. know, their, their impact is everything. Everything, mm -hmm. yeah. but no, like like you said, I, I do it to pay homage to those people who, without them, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, totally. and I simply couldn't do without, right? Yeah, no, totally, but totally. But, and look, you're in those. I mean, now the neighborhoods in your hands, right? The neighborhoods are in oh, your yeah, hands. The neighborhoods are mine now, and you're going to become the voices of that neighborhood. You know, and you have to. And be. Yeah, no, and then that's all I want. All we want, A B and I, and our partner ATL. All we really want to do is continue, like I said, continually pay it forward and continually keep paying homage like you know what i say this to my friends as a joke but i say it to them, hey guys look what time it is time to pay homage time to pay homage yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. because it's time to keep moving forward it's time to keep pushing it forward and, right yeah and i think i think there's a lot of value just on a neuroscience level there's a lot of value in putting good thoughts into your subconscious that will pay oh, off down down the road you know like so when you pay homage when you show support, because the one thing that never slumps is service. So 
when you're not feeling your best or some something's fucking up or your career's not or things are just aren't rolling and everything that you're dealing with is real and difficult and all that it's absolutely sometimes what i would do when when i was like my mom would say this to me she would drop me off across the street from the rexdale mall was a senior citizen's home right an old folks home and my mom would drop me off at that old folks home when things were tough and she would say go inside go find somebody who's alone and be their friend that's your job as a person she said your service is never going to slump no matter what you're going through in your life you can always be there for somebody else while you're going through your shit and you'll find out how quickly you stop focusing on your shit, right? And go be good company for somebody else. So I think that paying homage thing is really important. And again, like it's not about, it's not, about not getting yours. You're gonna get yours anyway, right? Life is, you know, we live in a crony capitalist society that's designed for this. So you're gonna figure your way out anyway. But if you do it and make it just about you, I think you're missing the point, right? And paying homage, cause you learned from them. None of these ideas I invented. These are just lessons passed down for me that I've now, I, 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 I reapply through my filter. Some of the stuff that I say with you today might land with you. Some of it might not. Some people might be listening going, fuck that guy, which is fine. You know, nothing I'm saying is untrue, but it's not gonna land for everybody. And that's okay. It's not supposed to. It's just supposed to be. And then someone takes a, a kernel of it and that turns into something else. And, and that's how we kind of move the us forward. That's how we move the us forward. I thought, I knew that, you know, Dixon is not the same as when I was there. But then when Rob Ford pulled that bullshit, I thought Dixon's the same. He don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. And, you know, some of my people were like, oh, the Fords, they're from us. Do they care about us? They're our guy. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Terrorizing. Are you fucking crazy? Fuck that. I'll stand. I'll go to my grave on that, right? I don't give a fuck. And, and they're manipulating and using just like they always have, you know, and not them specifically, but all of that. And I know there's so many great politicians and so many great community leaders, and we know great police officers. We know great people in our lives, my friends who become police officers, and they're good men. They're good women, right? We know that, but the system's fucked. And, and I don't think any of that's ever changed, you know? So that's why your voice is so important. You know, that's why your voice is so important. And in the podcast era, like the idea that, I mean, if I got to grow up hearing other people from Rex telling stories when I was a kid or other people from fucking Malton telling stories when I was a kid, I would have changed my life. Never saw that. Never fucking saw that at all, you know, um, because, because they're really interesting neighborhoods and where you're from too, you're from the Heights, right? Like it's, it's, the, it's <laughs> man, like this, that shit has, that shit's, I mean, that's, that's real Toronto to me. That's real yeah. Toronto to me. You know, that ain't mm -hmm. the Toronto I see on TV. No, 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 no. They'll never monetize that Toronto, you know? Yeah, and I right. think it's, it's, it's good. It's got to come from us. So that's why I, I've like taken the time to like, I got to rush the story, but like really somebody's got to tell the story before, you know. Yeah. Are you going to direct it as a short it's film? It's too late. Um, that was sort of my plan. But like, I'm sort of in between because I've been talking to Nice about it for, I'll say probably about a little over two years. Obviously, the pandemic kind of ruined things, like kind of slows everybody down. You, you fall into like that short-term depression and yeah. not really having a sense of direction and stuff. But yeah, uh, I'm going to aim for short film, but I'm also going to leave so much of the story like untold so yeah. that I could 
sort of do like a maybe like a, a mini series per se, you know? I, I I am so I've been working with a crew on starting a thing called the Neighborhood Film Fund, right? I've been working on a Ooh. thing um, um, where I want people from Rexdale, Malton, Jane Wilson, people who don't have access to film schools, because fuck film schools, right? For me, um, yeah, yeah. you know, raise a little bit of money to make a couple of short films, you know. So we we there are people who actively want. To, and it's specific to our neighborhoods. Like it's cats who are from mm-hmm. our part of the city. I don't, the ethnicity, all that is to me, it is relevant to the story, but it is irrelevant to the fund in that it's just like those neighborhoods. You know, mm-hmm. I never hear Toronto, uh, my, my Toronto Indians and Pakistanis, I never see them get love or opportunity to tell films, you know, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, my South Asian friends growing up in Malton too, right? Like the stories there, you don't really see that reflected in a lot of how we tell these stories. And I want to be, so we're a part of that. So that's what I'm saying. I'm legit when I say, let me even just read what you have now as a story. Let me think, let me, let me just see where you're at. Cause maybe there's a fit. Maybe there's not a fit. Never a promise, right? Maybe there's not a fit, but, but yeah. I, but that to help you make, tell these stories, I'm interested in helping that. I appreciate it, man. I'll definitely, I'll, I'll send you what I got. I just yeah. get it and I'll email it to you. I guess I'll get them email from nice or I'll just message yeah, for you. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Just message me. Yeah, yeah. You got my number. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think, it's, it, I, think it, I think it's dope, man. I think it's dope. Appreciate it. Hey, Samba, man. Time, look, man. look, we, we got a lot, we got a lot of stuff, but we, we definitely want to come talk to yeah, you about sorry it. Sorry if you know? I, sorry if I rambled too much and took you longer than you thought. No, no man. That's, that's, this we is level it. one. Which it was, an, it was an authentic conversation, man. You gave us the truth, man. You gave us what we needed to hear. But the yeah, people time, to hear too, right? And time flew by. That was nice. I appreciate the oh, opportunity. I had a great time. You. Thank you so much. So, 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 no, so, no, so no, who, who are you listening to now? What artists do you like that are on the, on the, on the, on the, like the, we, I call them the less than hundred. So the, the people who are like less than a hundred listens on SoundCloud back in the day, that's who I would try to find mm. artists who no one's mm-hmm. listening to. What do you, what are you loving? Mm. Hmm. Uh, you know, honestly, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say like, you know, necessarily underground, but a lot of rappers who come out of Toronto who like aren't necessarily represented the best. I think we were talking about this earlier too, like Toronto, we got a lot of artists who don't, don't get any sort of, you know, fanfare, any sort of, you know, like, and it's, it's a lot of, like you said, through social media too, like social media plays a role because these guys get reposted on these pages and yeah, they get hits and whatever, but like, it doesn't lead to anything. You know what I mean? No, it's just, it's exploiting. There's, there's this element of exploiting the violence from, uh, social media accounts that, mm-hmm. I mean, like, and people can do whatever they want. Right. But I just, I'm like, man, I, uh, we got to keep people alive. We, 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 oh, we, we got to keep people alive. We lost some great fucking artists in the last five years, right? We lost some great artists. We got, we got, this is fucked, right? This is bigger than, it's not the genre. It's, this is a cultural thing or society, right? It's, mm-hmm. And systemically, mm-hmm. but yeah, and you're right. They're, the only time they get any love in the media is when it's negative and it's a headline, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or they when they're dead right? and when they're paying people paying homage, right? When they yeah, die, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We lost so many great yeah. rappers, man. But but you know like like I said I think um we'll definitely talk about it you know I, you know I hope Strombo I hope uh, I hope this isn't your last time working with us because it's definitely yeah, 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 a lot sure. of stuff for sure there's yeah. a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about you yeah. know but you know we could do it another time you, you know? let you we let me know I'm, I'm around just text me I'm around you got my numbers 
So, so that being said, that being said, you know, Stromba, do you have any uh, parting advice for our uh, for our listeners before we go? Everything that I've said here today comes through the filter of my experiences and the the rooms that I've been in, the streets I've been on. Right. So, it's it, these are not universal truths. They are just things that either worked for me. It's what's the difference between a rule and a principle? A rule you have to do it. a principle is a thing that works. So this is a thing that has worked for me and an approach that has worked for me. It's not for everybody because not everybody has the same brain chemistry, the same conditioning, the same opportunity. I understand all that. We're, we're in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. I get that. So, so I, I, but what I do know to be universally true is that you do not have to do this alone. And it is so much fucking better when you win with your friends. It is so much better. And when everybody's out there trying to make a name for themselves, it is so much sweeter when you make a name for you and your crew, right? That thing, you'll never get that back, especially at the age you guys are at. Like this thing we're in, this thing we're in now, it's... Being there for others will still give you all the shit you want, but you'll do it the right way. And I, I believe that in my heart. I believe that in media, I believe that in sports, I believe that in every aspect of life, right? Is like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna win. That's cool. It's important for you to get your shit. I get it, right? But don't do it at the expense of everyone else. Being on the right side is actually a good thing. You know, that's the win. And I, and so I really, really believe that. I really, really believe that. Big up your fucking neighborhood and big up your people. <laughs> For sure, man. No, honestly, man, that's, that's, that's facts. <laughs> that's all I got to well, say. It. I, I, you know, I, it's just, I'm sad that I didn't get to see your other partner. And, uh, and you had one other person who's part of the crew, four of you. Yeah. yeah one more guy. A- no, it's three of us. So our friend, our friend ATL, he's the third guy, yeah. but, uh, he, he was very upset to not be able to come today, but is definitely, he, is he okay? You know, is he okay? Yeah. He's all right. He's yeah, all right. He's just, sorry, he had some stuff to do today, yeah, but yeah. definitely, don't worry. I'll let it. He's gonna watch this when we said it to him. He's gonna be pissed off the whole time, but I can't wait. Well, give him my yeah. love, man. I hope he's all right. Appreciate oh, he it. will be. So, be uh, AB, do do me a favor, close us out, then AB. Uh, once again, you know, t- tell everybody where we're at. Once again, you know, we're here on Switching Gears. My name's AB. Always about billions. We got my man nice, always. The neighborhood nice <laughs> from the place. Always. We got always my, nigga, my, my homie George Shabalopoulos from the place as well. <laughs> we got two guys what, at the place. You know what's your plan to get billions? What's your plan to get billions? <laughs> it's a work of Nobody's progress, ever man. asked of that. Yeah, Nobody's ever asked for that. Yo, fuck, I believe in you. But if you're going to always yeah. be about them, I want to know how you're going to do it. Because I, I believe in you, man. Just my if plan now if you're going to be one, though, if you're going to be a B, be a good one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Of course, man. So my thing is, like, I want to do it by telling our story. Like, the story that we yeah. all share, that, that that we all, you know, resonate with and, and keeps us attached to one another, you know. So that's why the don't plan, we, man. Why don't we do for our neighborhood what Tyler Perry did for Atlanta? We can do that, man. Right? So, I'm you know you. what? We're going to talk about this because this is a whole different thing. We're going to talk about this. Listen, guys, mm-hmm. go check us out on Instagram, yeah. on Twitter, <laughs> at Switching Gears Pod. Go check us out on TikTok, we're at Switching Gears Pod as well. You want to talk to us, email us at switchingofgears at gmail.com. We are everywhere you need us to be. We are worldwide. We're on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you need to be. If we were any more underground, they would call us Tubman. 
Listen. <laughs> Go check us out. <laughs> we appreciate OG Strombo for helping us out. Always billions with me. Neighborhood nice. We will see you guys next week. <laughs>